Hey everybody, this is your girl, Liana Michelle, and I am Faithfully Her. I want to welcome you all to today's episode. Today I have a woman on with me who I found on Instagram, went to her um, website and was just loving her story and everything that she's doing to try to build our youth up in the community. Through her mentoring program, I just think that it's amazing anytime we're taking the time to give back. So I reached out. I wanted to talk to her and she agreed to come on. So yay for that. Um, so we have with us today Ms. Porsche, Mrs. Portia Coates. She is the founder and director of Breaking Barriers. She holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in, uh, in science for accounting. So my sister is smart. I need her. Y'all know I can't count past my fingers and my toes. So y'all know <laughs> I need her in my life. <laughs> she is also a, an, a vet. She uh, has served her country, protecting people like me. So for all of those things, we are just so grateful to have her give us a little bit of time today. So if you could, everybody, please put your hands together for Mrs. Portia Coates. Hi, everyone. Hey, girl. <laughs> How are you feeling today? I am feeling well. How are you? I'm good, Portia. So I just want to jump right in, if you don't mind. So I know you were born in um, South Carolina. Yes. Okay. And um, I was reading a little bit about your story. You lost your mom at a very early age. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience and how it it changed or motivated you? Yes. So I'm originally from Walterboro, South Carolina. I was born in Charleston, South Carolina, and my family were from Walterboro. I grew up in Walterboro, South Carolina, up until the age of 10, and then my family relocated to Texas. So I tell people all the time, kind of in between, I've been between South Carolina and Texas pretty much majority of my lifetime. Um, at the age of three, I lost my mom. Um, she was sick. Um, she had an illness and at the time they didn't have the medications for it. And, um, she just ultimately, uh, lost it, lost her life, uh, pneumonia in addition to her illness. Um, and yeah, she passed and it's been, we are at 26, 27 years ago. She's been gone. Um, since she passed away. And that was, that was ultimately a life-changing moment for me. Um, you know, at three years old, I lost my mom. It was like, she was here one day, next day she was gone. Uh, where's mommy? And um, I had a supportive family. So my grandparents, um, her parents adopted me. Um, and so they raised me. And um, that pretty much was, it, it, it was a, a huge transition because, you know, by the age of five, I was asking my grandmother, you know, where's my mommy, um, asking questions. And my grandmother, you know, they decided to go ahead and start taking me to the cemetery. So I knew about death or I had to learn about death pretty much early on in my life. Um, and I was different from the other from the other kids, from my classmates and my peers around because, you know, they had maybe they had their mommy or their daddy or 
you know, they had a parent. And so that was different for me. Um, although, I mean, although I had my grandparents, I didn't have my biological mom right. and uh, my dad, he was, he was around, but he wasn't around, right. you know, a, as I would have liked him to be. And so um, just growing up without that mother figure and having so many questions, um, it kind of led me on a path of having a heart, not only for young girls, uh, for children, but especially those who have lost a loved one and a parent. Um, and then that brought me into the whole mentorship phase of my life. When I was around the age of nine, I had a mentor. Um, she wasn't from South Carolina. She was actually from North Carolina. And that changed my life dramatically because it felt good to know that someone outside of your family, a complete stranger cared and devoted their time, mm -hmm. you know, to you when they really didn't have to, they weren't obligated to. Right. And so, um, that's when I pretty much realized and learned like how the importance of mentorship was. And so by the age of 12 and 13, I started volunteering um, at summer camps and doing things like that. So I got into volunteering very early and at 13, deep in my heart, I knew I wanted to eventually start a program. Didn't know the who, what, when, or the how. I just knew that it was something that God instilled in me that I knew I wanted to do. Um, and 2020 breaking barriers no boundaries came about yes yes I love that so you said at the age of 12 you kind of knew that your calling was to continue in mentoring and helping others how did you come to that realization at such an early age in life because and I, I say that because I'm still trying to figure out the pieces of my purpose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and I'm 48, like I'm old and I'm still trying to figure it out. And a lot of people don't recognize or understand what their purpose is until they're older. So for it to right. happen so young for you, what was that, that experience like for you? It was, it was different. Um, because again, growing up, my Early on, uh, my, my childhood was a little bit different because I dealt with kind of early childhood tra uh, trauma with the death and losing my mom. And um, I kind of had to uh, learn certain things earlier than what the normal, your normal child would. And um, in addition to that, because I had a supportive uh, family um, and I grew up in a household that they were very faith-based and I grew up in the church um my faith really grew at a young age like I really um just had a connection uh with God and just started developing my relationship early on because that was important to me um for me I understood that although I didn't physically have my mother um I knew that I had God amen and um with that I knew that I wasn't alone even though there were times I felt alone I was never alone um and so with that alone the journey it was just that relationship that faith and um that understanding that um you're different and it's okay um but I also felt like I knew that I would meet other different children or different individuals along my journey and so when I started 
volunteering at 12 at the summer camp. Um, I actually start. I, I was volunteering at elementary school that summer um, and the kids were younger. And uh, that's when I really found the journey, found the love and a passion for um, not just mentoring and volunteering, but for children. And um, after, after that experience and just really sitting down and really just talking to God, okay, God, I feel this on my heart. Like what, what do you want me to do? Um, and so I knew early on that I just mentoring program. I didn't know the who was where why. I just knew that um, at some point in my life I was going to work and I wanted to give back and work with youth. Um, I just didn't know what, what that route was, what it looked like for me. Um, I knew it would be different because as I got into high school, that's kind of where I started learning the love for accounting and finance. And that's kind of where accounting came in. Okay. So it was like, okay, she, she's in accounting. She loves accounting. And then I also do mentorship. So people are kind of like, how in the world did you get to that? But it started very early on with me. And it was just through my experiences and my faith, my own personal relationship with God and just um, really honing in and really listening to to, to the voice of God and really understanding that um, it doesn't matter what it looks like or what other people may look like or what they may tell you or how it feels. You really have to be obedient. Right. And um, as I got older, um, there were times that I was scared and I was shy and I didn't want to do it because I worried about what people would say, what they would think. Um, there were times I just didn't feel like I was enough or who was she to be in this position to be a mentor? Am I really worthy of it and I am and you are you know and they are <laughs> so it's so that 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 was that was the moment for me um and just over time as my journey came and I actually became you know in a an adult and started figuring things out and just journeying through my own life and different experiences um I just kind of knew that that was something that I had to do I had to be obedient um, there, I mean, there were times that I was disobedient and I'm like, okay, there, there will come a time where you will surrender and, yeah. and say. Yeah, I, um, I could kind of understand that um, <clears throat> because the one thing that you said that one of the things rather that you said that I um, can almost kind of relate to, you spoke on when you're talking about losing your mom and then how your family support and everything and, and your faith in God increased through, through that. Mm -hmm. And through that increased faith, you found your purpose. I lost my mom in 2016. And mm -hmm. I can honestly say like, I grew up in church. We, my mother is from New Orleans, Louisiana. So we Southern Baptist people. Baptist <laughs> my people. grandmother would have us in church almost every day. I remember every our house was net like across the street from the church. The church parking lot was our next door neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we were at church oh, no, like, all the I time. Understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, and, oh, yeah. you know, and even though I pray, you know, you pray in the, at, before you go to sleep, you pray over your meals, you pray in the morning, you, you know, you pray. I don't think I ever really had a good connection or relationship with God. Um, I knew who God was. I know who he is. I know what he does. I know the blessings and the love that he has for us. But as far as that personal relationship, I didn't have that until my mother died. 
it took mm -hmm. me losing my support system. The mm -hmm. only person that I know without a shadow of a doubt loved me and had my back. It took for me to lose that and feel lost and alone to revisit that. And one of the things my mother said to me before she passed, she um before she had her last stroke, I remember her sitting me down and she said, listen, I need to go over these insurance policies and this and that with you. And at first I was like, I don't want to hear about that. You're not going to die. That, ugh, I don't want to talk about it. And she was talk like, about it. Right. She was like, no, I need for you to really hear me, you know, and she was so matter of fact and stern about it. It scared me enough to sit down. But in that conversation, she said, the one thing I need for you to do, baby, is have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I will always go to her and be like, my need for you to pray and tell God I need this job. He listens to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and she's like, Michelle, you could pray. And I'd be like, yeah, I pray, but I know he listened to you. He don't be listening listen to me. All right. Time. You right. know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. <laughs> she was just like, I need for you to have a relationship with God. I need for you to develop that. I need for you to invest in having a relationship with God because he hears you and he wants you to hear him when he speaks to you and so mm -hmm. forth. And that was like one of the last things she left me with before she had her last stroke that took her. Um, so I think it's amazing how when you lose something like that, somebody that close and that personal to you, you know what I'm saying? How it can, it can either destroy you or it can make you. Yes. And I, I love the fact that it made you, it, it took you further and deeper into church and faith and the word of God and it made you a vessel for him. So I just want to applaud you for that, especially for being so young and having that insight and that wisdom. Because at 12, I was just playing with my Cabbage Patch doll. I was <laughs> like, you know. Like, you know look, look, I think we was, I was still playing dolls too. You still, you, we were 12. Right. <laughs> But for you to take that, that that's a big thing, to, a big revelation in my head it is to be able to go to God and say, okay, God, this, I like doing this and this is a, and you know, and to feel that purpose within your heart and your spirit. And so I just commend that. I think that is wonderful. And I always say, I wish I was smarter back then. I wish I was smarter like then <laughs> when I was younger, I wish I had the brain with that you know I have now because maybe I could have tapped into what my purpose was a little bit sooner and you know consistently working towards it um another thing that you said too that struck a chord was when you said that you sometimes would struggle with whether or not you were worthy mm -hmm. That I think is something that we struggle with on a daily basis um especially for me sometimes, Sometimes I'm afraid to be happy because I feel like if I'm too happy, the too other happy, people, something yeah. else is going to come up and it's just going to be right. That's it. Right. It'll, it'll change. Flip of a script. It'll change. Right. And I have to remind myself like every day, like, no, you, you know, you choose to be happy. You choosing gratefulness. You choose mm -hmm. life. You're choosing these things. And it's okay to choose happiness. It's okay to live in a place of peace and happiness. And, you know, and I, like I said, it's a daily thing with me that I have to constantly remind myself of. 
that I am worthy of some good things. I'm worthy of happiness. You know, I think sometimes we hold on to our mistakes and our past and we let that guilt fester and it makes us feel like we don't deserve anything more. And that's just not true. Right. Right. So I love that your mentoring program um, is taking it from where you're, you're, you're saying that you're, you, all the stresses and the struggles that we have um, in life, your quote is you're using those as stumbling blocks and stepping That's stones right. and knocking down barriers. So let's yeah. let's tear that up. Let's break that down for everybody. Stepping stumbling blocks and stepping stones. Let's talk about them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> talk about them. So, um, we we know that uh, there will be obstacles in life. That's just that's just the facts of it. Um, there will be times when you will go through some hard times. Um, and again, that just brought me back to my journey on uh, losing my mother. Um, that was a huge obstacle for me um, to get through and journey through. And so um, with that, um, I had to take it and, and shift my perspective so to speak um and once I shifted my perspective and I understood that just because it happened just because it hurt um it can still work out for your good that that's really a stepping stone mm-hmm. um and there were many many obstacles obstacles that came my way just even when it came from um dealing with bullying in school um just different struggles in in college and then eventually like joining the military there are there are different very various obstacles that you will go through in your life and um you just have to get to a point where you were like they're stepping stones and to go back on your point which you said earlier when it goes back to loss so loss will really uh open up your eyes and open up your heart so not only did i lose my mother but in 2019, I lost my grandmother, um, and my and my grandmother was is who she raised me. Right. She raised me. that that was my mother. So that's who I looked at as mom. And um, I was still on active duty in the military at the time, and um, she passed unexpectedly. We weren't expecting her to pass, but um, she had dealt with lupus for years. She had she was diagnosed with lupus since I was five years old. So not too long after my mother, after her daughter, she lost her daughter. Um, she was diagnosed with lupus. And um, I just remember her growing up always telling me, hey, Portia, you know, um, don't stress about things because stress can bring on ailments. Stress can bring on a lot of different things. And I didn't understand it at the time as a child until as I got older and older. And then um, when she passed in 2019, that was a huge loss for me because it was like, oh God, again? Like, okay, like you took my mom, but again, like, it just felt like a second loss all over again. And so I went through a period and at times still go through a period of grief because yeah, that was that that was my mom. Yeah, You know, she was by, by like she's my grandmother, but that's, that's who I had that raised me and so um that was the that was another spark of breaking barriers because she was gone now I gotta live this whole figure out this whole new way of living living without her Mm -hmm. and so um 
that's a part of what kind of opened up, you know, my heart and really just being able to be like, okay, God, here you go. <laughs> I can't do it on my own. I'm not going to do it on my own. Use me. Let's do this. And um, literally, that's how Breaking Barriers came about. Um, when I was getting ready to go and basically go, you know, say my last goodbyes and final wishes and all of that stuff, I was in the shower and I turned on the song and it was Tasha Cobb Leonard's song, mm. The uh, Break Every Chain. Oh. And as a song, as the song is playing, I hear breaking, breaking barriers. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's it, just breaking barriers. So it it initially was gonna, it initially was okay, breaking barriers, breaking chains. And then um another song came to my mind of no limits, no boundaries, I see increase. All around I was like, okay, breaking barriers no boundaries yes and so um the name came really came in the showers i was getting ready to go say my wishes my goodbyes farewells um to my grandmother and um i just took that i said okay god that's what we're gonna do and so i i got everything as far as like the paperwork and things like that you know the formal aspect of getting things together and preparing for it and just kind of um, going there. Now, this was during 2020, during the pandemic. So, of course, everything is shut down. Right. The world is just crazy. So, I have this program. And what can you do? You, you aren't able to throw any events. So, I was able to go ahead and create the website and just kind of get it out there and get it going. As far as just getting the name and getting the program out there. And so, um, even with that, that was an obstacle and a struggle in itself because we're going that we were going through a pandemic, something that we hadn't experienced before. Okay, how do we navigate this? And it really shook the world. And so, um, I have really had to navigate on not only just starting something new and being a, a nonprofit and advocating and working with youth, but now you know we're in an era where you know, things where everybody's wearing, we're wearing masks and things are shut down. You can't put on events. So now how do I navigate this um, and still get the word out there and still be effective? And then for people to uh, hear your story and, and understand and see that you're genuine too, because at the same time, it's 2020. And it's kind of like, I don't want to be like, that was a trend at the time, but it was like, okay, okay. Everybody got to figure out something to do because we don't know what's next. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that that was the direction uh, where God was leading me. And um, it was and it came about and I was able to kind of sit down and focus on uh, targeting the area and the age group that I wanted to and um, really going in depth with, with the programs uh, with yeah. breaking. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm sorry about your grandmother. Um and that you had to experience th that that second loss. Um, I too have lupus. I have a um, right. it's called discoid lupus. So my strand of lupus affects my skin. So I have um, I have alopecia now. I guess that's what I don't know if that's the technical name I should use for the hair loss or what. But I've lost my hair. I've lost my eyebrows. My skin is discolored. You know, I bruise easy, easy. like you can tap me. And I'd be like, oh my God, two days later, I have a big old bruise and it takes a month mm -hmm. to heal. 
So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, living with lupus is complicated and stress is a killer. And I've had to learn how to not stress over things I can't change. I just um, read something that was like, um, you know, you can't stress over your friends' situations and other yes. people's situations and lives mm-hmm. and the things that they're doing or not doing. You can only really focus on yourself. You can't change like you have no power over the way another person acts, responds, the things that they say, the things that they do. You can only control your actions and the things that you say and do. And with me learning that and really embracing that, I find myself pushing away from my friends' problems. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I love you guys. I'm here to listen if you need to vent. You know, I might bounce an idea too off of you as some advice or an opinion, but when that conversation is over, I'm done with it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, and the yeah. old me used to internalize everybody's struggles, everybody's take problems. Take yeah. it with me. I'd be at home trying to figure it out for them, and mm-hmm. I'm sending them information and on things that can help and programs that can help and this and that. And it's like, gosh, you care about what they're going through way more than they care about what they're going through. And I had to really learn to stop that because that was a high stress level for me. And Mm -hmm. I feel so much better now. A part of me feels a little disconnected. Um, I was telling my friends since my mom passed away, I feel like I'm not connected to anything but my son. Mm. He's the only connection Mm -hmm. I have. And then there, there's times where he irritates me or he upsets me and I shut down and I have to tell myself, no, you can't shut down on him. That's your kid. You know what I'm saying? Like you just have to address what it is and get past it. You can't shut down. And I'm just struggling right now with that connection for people that I used to feel and no longer feeling it. So, you know, I'm a work in progress still. (laughs) <laughs> trying to work it out still we all are and something else that you said too that I liked you said changing your thinking that's something I had to start doing too I heard somebody say I can't remember where I heard it from but the, I think it was a man and he said stop saying that things happen to you instead of looking at it as oh why is this happening to me why is this happening to me stand back and ask the question god what do you want me to learn from this yes what do you what am i supposed to get from this because this yes. is happening for a reason yeah so you know a lot of times we go through all of these hard things and the, these rocky roads and we feel like all hope is lost we have nowhere to turn there's nothing more for us to do And then we start seeing where other things are opening up for us. And we don't Mm -hmm. always even associate the fact that all of this bumpy road, all these stumbling blocks, as you you stated, all these stumbling blocks were just that, those stepping stones to what God was intending for your life and the purpose that he had for you. So I agree with you, if we change our, our, the way we think about the things that's going on, you know, it makes it a lot mm-hmm. easier when you're moving forward and moving past those things. Awesome. Yep. I, I agree. Um, and to add on to that, um, something else, another thing that came with me and shifted my thinking is also um, understanding that 
it's happening for a reason. And we don't realize that at the times, but sometimes, sometimes it's not even about us. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're going through, we're going through things for other people. Mm-hmm. So that way that could be a stepping stone for them. So that way we can connect with them, but those who we're supposed to, to be introduced to. Those mm-hmm. are the people that, you know, God is going to bring in a line in our path. You know, if you, if you hadn't went through this, right. you wouldn't have been, you, you wouldn't have been able to relate to that. Right. You wouldn't have been able to relate. You wouldn't have been able to identify, or you may not have been able to help or assist in, in the way that, that God intended for you to not to say that it wouldn't have happened, but certain things just have to take place um, in order for, for you to get an understanding, to get experience and to really um, go in that direction where God is actually leading you to. And here you go. Um, mm-hmm. there, there were things that, that came about that when I was younger in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, that'll never be me. Oh, I would never do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, you ain't to tell me. Ask, ask me now. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that, like, um, seeing a, a domestic violence situation and I remember saying, oh, my God, I would never let a man hit me. And mm. lo and behold, like a year later, who was in an abusive relationship? You know what I'm saying? Like, and was in that relationship for like uh, almost two years, you know. It wasn't going to be. And getting dragged down the stairs, getting slapped. And, and like, and you know what I'm saying? It took like a real harsh day for me to be like okay I just can't keep doing this because I can't keep hiding the bruises I can't keep covering this up so at some point something has to give so I definitely agree with you we do tend to say that like oh that'll never be me and then you go through those situations but as you were saying when you do go through those situations you stated like we don't always even realize that it's for somebody else it's for Mm -hmm. it's and you're right, because if I hadn't gone through a lot of the things that I've gone through, I wouldn't have that that level of empathy for others. Right. I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't meet, have met you today. And <laughs> um, a lot of the other wonderful women that I've met just on this platform in the past year or so, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, I wouldn't be you know, a a finalist in the Miss Voluptuous pageant. I wouldn't be invited to the women of color brunches. I wouldn't be doing any of the amazing things that God has blessed me with at this stage in life if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through to get me here. So um, I agree. It was always there. Yeah. And, you know, you said something too. I I do remember when I was younger, like I used to love Matlock. And I know that's nice sound crazy. I know it sounds crazy. Everybody can laugh. Get your giggle on. Yes, I love, even to this day, I love Matlock. If it come on TV, I'm there. I'm like, come on, Matlock, let's start this crime. Like, I love <laughs> Matlock. So I can remember being younger saying, I want to do what Matlock does. I want to put, you know, I want to, I want it to be an attorney. I wanted to do what Matlock does. But I wanted to always work with kids. My thing was, because I was adopted as well. My mother adopted me when I was four weeks old. 
So I always wanted to give back. I always felt like she saved my life. Yes. You know, she took in a a, a stranger, an orphan kid that nobody wanted. And she raised me like I was hers. And even though we had our struggles as mom and mom and daughter and, you know, some family little craziness or whatever, at the end of the day, she was my net. She was my safety net. She always caught me. She never let me fall. She would cuss me out and beat me, but she was always there to make sure I didn't hit that ground, you know? And I always said I wanted to give back to some children. I wanted to do for some children what my mother did for me. I wanted to be able to give them that sense of love and care that my mother gave. And now here I am, I'm not an attorney, but I'm a behavioral therapist. And I work with children in the auti- in the autistic community. I work with families. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you it's the best thing I've ever done in my life, like I absolutely love what I do. I get up in the morning and I'm singing big block songs. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just, it, it's a great job. You know what I'm saying? I get to go to work and see these little faces every day. And I get to give them that love and that support and that care as they're journeying through their thing and learning how to learn, learning how to speak, learning how to do this, learning how to do that. And just to see their growth and the sparkle in their eyes just gives me so much joy. And when you see the parents who are now happier because they can now communicate with their children, that that child. Yeah. Um, the things that was chaotic before, you know, therapy entered the picture are no longer as chaotic as they were. And they see those chaotic moments decreasing. So when you look at the parents' faces and the parents is like, oh my God, my kid ate with a spoon today. You know, something as simple as them being able to feed themselves with a spoon or whatever is like a major thing. And when you see that joy, it gives you joy. So no, I'm not Matlock. But I am still helping the babies. That's so I right. Then I guess I had a, a idea or maybe even not, not even knowing that that was the purpose. Mm-hmm. Just maybe an inkling of this is what I want to do. I want to do something that's going to help children. And even throughout that process of growing up, I was the one who would find the stray cat and bring it home. Find the hurt puppy and bring it home. Mm-hmm. Um a friend who needed a place to stay, you could come live with us, you know? And my mother be like, but you stop bringing all this stuff into my house. But she never turned anybody away. She never turned anything away. So if I showed up and was like, ma, I met this girl at school today and I I don't really know her, but she said she don't have no place to live. And my mother be like, this is a complete stranger and you just bringing her to the house? (laughs) And my mother would be like, all right, well, you could take that room, go get the baby some clean towels. And, you know, she would never turn anybody out. So I think that kind of just helped to cultivate that love for helping people and just wanting to be a light in somebody's life, you know? So how did we end up in the army, sis? And what was that experience like, girl? Let me tell you, uh, God, okay. <laughs> uh, obedience, <laughs> um, truly 
I didn't intend on going into the military at all whatsoever. Didn't cross my mind. Um, I had already graduated college. I was already working in my accounting job. And one day I just decided in the back of my head, it's time to do something different. So I can go back to my senior year of college. Um, and I was I was mentoring, I was a peer mentor on my uh, campus in college. Um, I mentored students academically, um, helping them learn different study tips and things like that. And I did that for my junior and my senior year of college. And my senior year, right before um, the semester was about to end and graduation was getting ready to occur, there was a grad assistant. And the grad assistant came and was like, Portia, let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. And the grad assistant's like, so what's your major again? <laughs> I was like, accounting. <laughs> and um, I was like, yes, I'm gonna get my bachelor's degree and I'm gonna go into accounting and that's what I'm gonna do. Um, Portia, I think you missed your calling. <laughs> Uh -oh. and, imme and immediately my response was didn't know where it came from I didn't miss my calling I know what it is I just have a different journey to get there mm -hmm. and that's what I said and um didn't understand exactly like how how it came about and how it was said but it was it was him identifying me that I was intended to also be doing something else and I knew it um but at the time, I had already, my, my degree was about to be conferred. I was getting ready to graduate. Life was going to go on. And so um, fast forward, graduation comes, I get my job. And um, I knew in the back of my head that along my accounting journey, I want to be a certified public accountant. And in order to do that, um, they have certain requirements and um, things that you need to do. And so it ended ultimately where I would need to either go back to school and get my master's degree um, and just, just do something else. Um, so I decided one day, um, I just decided to up and quit my accounting job. Quit my accounting job, walked out, went to the recruiting station, initially went for the Air Force. They were closed, of course. Um, and next door was the Army recruiter. Walked in, like four or five recruiters in there, and there was only one that paid attention to me. Recruiter mm. was like, can I help you? Are you in the wrong place? Mind you, I just I just walked off and quit my job. So I'm in right. business casual attire, also have one heels, and I'm walking into the Army recruiting station. Right. Um. So get there sat down, talked with the recruiter. By the time we got through discussing things and answering questions, I knew that I was going to join the army. I had just decided, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. It's time for a change. Um, I'm joining the army. And my family thought I was crazy. They felt like it was ridiculous because I had already graduated, had already degree, I was already working. Why do you need to go into the military? Didn't really have a real explanation besides this is what I'm gonna do and I'm going and so um that was my first like really huge decision that I made on my, 
And when I mean on my own, I really felt like, despite what anybody said, what anybody thought, I felt like, all right, God, we're going to do this. I don't know where this is going to lead me to, but mm-hmm. here we go. Um, and so the interesting thing about it was I did not, when I joined the military, the MO, we call the MOS, the MOS the, or the job that I selected or was able to select and choose was not finance. It was human resources. So people were like, okay, you got this degree, but now you're going to HR. So um, little did I know what that was going to do in that journey for me. Um, so yeah, I joined the military, made it through basic training, got to my first duty station. Um, they sent me to Texas, go figure. So now I'm going back to Texas, went to Texas and um my journey started started there um, as a human resources um, specialist in the army, and that that was eye opening for me because that journey it forced me to not only involve myself and work as a team and as a unit with other people, but people that I didn't know, people with different backgrounds. Um, and just all type of different experience that came. But um, when I graduated from college, I would say that I was reserved and I, I would like to say I was one-minded. But when I joined the military, it kind of opened my eyes and it forced me to um, interact and deal with other people. And it really gave, opened up my skills as far as like customer service and really um, gaining in and working on that emotional intelligence piece that you may not necessarily always get at a university, at a school or um anywhere else so the military really was um another stepping stone for me that I didn't know was going to be a stepping stone and so it literally just went from there so I did that for six years six years and 18 days to be exact um on active duty so I did that one deployment um came back re-enlisted um got promoted, did so many great things while in the Army. Um, I still say this day, the Army is still in me. Um, enjoyed it. But when it was my time to to go ahead and decide that I want to not re-enlist, um, that's what I decided to do because I'm like, okay, I served my time. I had the options. Um, and so I was able to uh, finish my contract honorably. And now I'm back in the accounting world. Then also doing breaking barriers so yes the army really was uh i would like to say a last minute thing really a last minute okay jump so two questions i know you received your mat did you did you take your master's courses while in the army or once you got out because you have your master's now right oh yes oh i I took my master courses on deployment while i was deployed Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So my my unit was, we were deployed for a, one year. Um, we also had a split mission. So uh, part of part of my unit, my company was in one country and the other half was in another country. And so we just had one of those missions and then we, we had to do a year there. Um, and so I was able to take the opportunity and time. So I just decided that this is where... Um, I was going to work on my master's degree and my master courses and that's how it came about. So I actually earned my master's degree while I was in the military. When I returned back from that deploy- deployment, my master's degree was completed. 
Yes. So, okay. And another thing about the army, and then we can move on. Mm -hmm. um, so even though you had a, um, a, a position in human resources, you still had to go through your basic training. Yes. You still have to go. So you're still combat trained and ready if that happens. And in your deployment, did you have to see action or were you in an office, not a, a technical office, but, you know, off to the side in a more secure zone? I was in the office in a more secure zone. Yeah, right. I I didn't know I didn't know how to phrase that. So, <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you if you 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 understand the lingo, yes, yeah. I was in the office in a secure zone. Right. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> and um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was just wondering, just wondering. Cause I, I, I don't know why I was always curious about that. Like, hey, because I can remember when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I wanted to go to the Air Force. And my mother was like, I'll kill you before you do that. She was like, you better fill out these college applications. So she like flat out. She was like, no, you're not doing that one. And I'm like, but they'll pay for college. She was like, we'll figure it out. You're not doing that. So, so what do you yeah. What did you decide? I went to college. I wasn't playing with my mama. She was way scarier than Uncle Sam. <laughs> 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 and I had to live with her. I don't have to live with Uncle <laughs> Sam. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> but it's true, though. She was just like, oh, no, not you. Um <laughs> So I know you said that we talked about what led you to your business. So let's talk a little bit more about um, the mentoring, your mentoring program. Yes. What exactly does it consist of? So the mentoring program consists of where we target uh, peer pressure, bullying, self-esteem, um, really a self-awareness and self-identity. So those specific uh, subjects and areas are where we focus on with our girls that are 12, 12 through 20. So we're focused, I'm mainly, for, we're focused on the middle and the high school range, but it's extended to 20 because we also would work with those young ladies who have maybe just completed high school or early on in their college years and they need a mentor and they're looking for some type of um, mentorship or a mentor that can help lead and guide them. Um, with my experience being able to, uh, where I have been in college, I have been in the military and the workforce. Um, I have access or knowledge of different resources and different other avenues where um, I could extend help or um, give information to those individuals. Um, so that mentorship program um, it's basically well-rounded for a lot of our middle school and our high school girls. And I target the middle school and the high school girls because we're in this era where <laughs> they think everything is supposed to come like this. Yes. Everything is an overnight success. And just because you see it on Instagram, it has to be like that. That's how it is. And, um, you know, we have a world full of entertainers um in in real life and also and on, mm -hmm. on the tv we see their entertainment they get paid and so um 
you know, they're looking up to these people or they think, you know, that this is the way to go or they think that their path to success should emulate their path. It should look like that. And uh, one of the things we do uh, focus on breaking barriers is really honing in and understanding that um, every journey is unique and different. Every girl background is going to be unique and different. But for them to embrace that uniqueness, um, really, really focused in on their own personal goals and how to reach them with the with the reality aspect that understanding that um, life happens and things may not go as planned. And that's okay. You need to have plan A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. And also have a mentor, somebody else to guide you and lead you. And so that's where we're, where we're at um, as far as like what we do and what's kind of how we focus and do the mentorship with Breaking Barriers on that aspect. Um, a lot of people also aren't aware that they're we have the mentorship program, but then there's also another program, a part of Breaking Barriers that's called Lawanda's Den. And that's based off of after my mother. My mother name was Lawanda. And Lawanda's Den is a, is a separate program in itself where uh, we really focus in on um, young mothers, young teens, and um, their children. So a part of my story, what a lot of people don't know and look into is that my mother was a young mother. Um, she was a teen um, when she had me at a very young age, and uh, she did not get to see her 16th birthday. Oh. So um, with that being said, my focus, I really focus and work on work with those teen moms and young moms because they tend to get overlooked mm-hmm. and shunned. And um, you don't, you may not really understand the circumstances of their choices or what may have occurred. And so breaking barriers is also... Um, inclusive in that aspect when it comes to not just being for certain girls who achieve the great accolades and they get good grades and they do great things that's great we want you to do that but there are girls who also they may not have that support they may not um have have the emotion the emotional support uh, um even the 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 background when it comes the social economic background and just different things they may not be at, at a certain education level, you know, that the other girl was at, or, right. you know, just different things. Um, and so we try to really be inclusive and focus in on not just one girl or have, have, you know, the amazing girl. We want all girls because all girls are different and all girls are going to have different interests and different things like that. But then we also know life happens, different life choices. And so a part of Lawanda's den is me also giving back to um, the young mo- the young mothers and um, their children and focusing on that because my mom was a young mom and um, a part of my story with breaking barriers is you know ultimately being her daughter and her child I ultimately end up breaking barriers on my own and within my own story because of understanding and knowing a little bit about her story and just knowing that I want to beat the odds and beat the statistics. Um, And so just even with that, um, that's kind of a part of breaking barriers and just the story in the background and different things like that. Well, I like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this. I'm sure your family has probably told you, your family and friends, but I'm sure both of your moms are very proud of you and the things that you're doing um 
the one thing I always say, you you know, when we're talking about our life journeys and the things that happen to us in life, you know, some people don't stay strong through it. So they might self-medicate, they drink, mm -hmm. they turn to, you know, the wrong crowd looking for that love or that acceptance and that support. Exactly. And I was one of those kids, you know, who was looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for acceptance in all the wrong places, um, with my abandonment issues and all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It, it was just a lot, you know, and I found myself looking for it in the wrong areas of life. And now, I mean, and, you know, for a long time, I was ashamed and ashamed and ashamed, but now I'm like, nope, I needed to do that. Because it yeah. made me smarter. I wasn't yeah. smart before. You know what I'm saying? Like I had no street smarts. But going into that and living that life for a while, it gave me street smarts. It opened up my eyes to a lot of things that I was unaware of and didn't know about. And it made me better at the end of it, coming out on the other side of it. It made me stronger and it made me a better That's person. Right. Um, Obstacles, a lot of people, will you fold or break barriers? Will you fold or break barriers? Uh, break them barriers, yes. And a lot of people fold, and you know, I a worked, lot of um, people fold. Yeah, I worked in a um, mental health clinic for several, several years, and I dealt with adults at that time. And a lot of the adults were substance abusers. You know, mm -hmm. had substance abuse, mental health issues, and so forth. And in talking to them and doing group therapy sessions with them and things of that nature you always have to find out like, when did this start? When did that first drink come that led to all these other drinks? Oh, I'm so sorry. That led to all of the other drinks and so forth. And it was always something that happened in your childhood that triggered it. Mm -hmm. It was always like, oh, when I was eight, this happened. When I was 15, this happened. When I was this age, this happened, you know, or I saw these things at an early age and no one ever talked to me about it. I never was able to understand it or process it. And the only way to forget it was to drink that drink, smoke that smoke, get that needle, yeah. do this or that. Or, um, you know, I was, you know, you, you hear the stories of I was raped and passed around and mm -hmm. from foster home to foster home and constantly physically abused. And now I don't, see worth in myself outside of my body so that's why I use it to make the little money I do make you know you, you hear those type yeah. of stories and when you are actually in a situation where your personal journey because that's something that you said that I love too everybody's journey is unique but there is a semblance somewhere amongst all somewhere. of us that connects us you know what I mean so although my journey didn't lead me to be a sex worker. I understand how you got there because maybe I was also sexually assaulted when I was young. Just because mm -hmm. I didn't go that route doesn't mean that I can't understand where you are. And meeting you where you are right here and right now, where do you want to go from here? And let's right. see what we can do to help you get there. You know what I'm saying? And I think that changes the tones of conversations that I've come to learn, well, especially when you're dealing with adults with mental health issues or substance abuse. Because if you come in there like this, they're going to automatically shut you down. But yes. if you go in there open and you say, hey, listen, been there, I get it. So why don't you tell me where you are? 
and let's go from here, you know? And then they're a little bit more open and able to express themselves with you and put that out there on the table. And then I think a lot of times in that situation, they begin to determine whether or not they want to change during that conversation. Cause I've had right. clients sit there. And once we got to the heart and the meat of it and they like, but you know what, when I think about it, Liana, I kind of like it. And I'm like, Hey, if you like it, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's your life. I'm not here to tell you how to live it, but if you want to do something better, I'm here to help you with that. But it's up to you. You have to make your own decisions. So I think working with children is a lot easier a little bit because they're more spongy. Yeah. You know Definitely. what I'm saying? They soak in the information. And even if they, you don't know it in the moment, their actions will start showing you that they were Showing. There. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about the that's baby. Right. <laughs> that's what I love. So you know, attention, but they are. Yeah, right, right. They are, and you and I tell my parents that too when I'm working with their kids. I always tell my parents, like, you know, I'm teaching them how to imitate sound and imitate movement and imitate certain things. So watch what you're saying around them. And when you're doing something, walk them through those steps. So because they're gonna be imitating you. And I have a little lady now, she imitates everything. Oh my God, you cannot mm -hmm. sneeze because she gonna Im she gonna imitate the sneeze. She gonna imitate everything. You gotta watch what you say, like, cause she's just gonna echo it and repeat it and imitate you. So I always have to tell her parents, like, you know, watch yourself around her because she's picking up on things and she's imitating those things. And then when I get with her, she's doing those things with, and I'm like, where did you learn that? What when did you start mm -hmm. doing that? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But it's because she's she's watching you and now she's imitating it. And even though you don't think she is, she is. And um, I can even remember with my son, like when my son was younger, I would give him what I would call pocket, a pocket of wisdom, a little pocket full mm -hmm. of wisdom. So I would tell him something. I'd be like, hey, just stick this in your back pocket. You might need it one day. And it would just mm -hmm. be information. You know, it could be always wear a condom. It could be anything, you know what I'm saying? But it's just right. information that I'm giving you that you might need that one day. And I would think that he wouldn't be listening and that he's like, oh, she always preaching or she always trying to tell me, you know how kids can be. They always think we're nagging. Um, but now he's 27. And when we have our conversation, he now gives me those same pockets of wisdom. Wow. You'd be like, Ma, remember you told me blah, 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 blah. He like, now think about your situation. Don't that fit? And I'm like, dang it. You right. Like, okay, let me take my own advice. You know, well, let, me go, let me go in my pocketbook <laughs> and pull out this book of wisdom and uh, scroll back through a couple of chapters. Yeah. So, and it makes me feel good though, because I'm like, oh my God, he was listening. He was paying attention. And with the way he moves now, I see it in his action. Like my baby was actually listening to his mama, you know? So kids are, they listen. So everybody, your kids are listening. They are watching. They are soaking you up. Watch the messages in the, that you put out there because those are the lessons that they're learning. So be aware. Um, Another, the, the everyone's journey is unique too. I wanted to kind of go back to that too because 
like you said, everybody does have their own journey and everybody's journey is unique. And I can remember being younger and going through things and being made to feel ashamed. Like, mm-hmm. oh, don't tell nobody. You're not going to have friends if you tell, if people know this, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, don't tell, you know, if, if, if the little boys know this, they're not going to want you, you're going to be damaged or this or that. And all those things that would make me feel ashamed of my journey. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm older and I'm in this platform and I'm talking to people in my age group, people younger than me, some people older, and I'm listening to their stories and I'm like, oh my God, I was told to be quite, I was told to be ashamed of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we was all doing it. We were all experiencing some of the same things going through the same things and we were not talking to each other because Mm -hmm. somebody was telling us that it was embarrassing and that it was shameful and that it shouldn't be brought to the light we shouldn't talk about it but what if we could have sat down Mm -hmm. and had that conversation with each other we probably could have helped each other through a whole lot of crap you know oh definitely definitely so, you know, and I say that to say, don't be ashamed of your journey. Don't be ashamed of your your tribulations, your your stepping stones, your potholes. Your, don't be ashamed of any of those things because they're mm-hmm. building you for something. Yes. It's building you for something. Don't be ashamed of it. And another reason not to be ashamed of it and to be okay with speaking your truth about it is because you never know what the person right next door is dealing with they probably going through the same thing you going through and nobody in neither house is talking about it you know that old saying what happens in my house stays in my house so nobody Mm -hmm. is talking about what's happening in the household but we're all going through something that doesn't be discussed so find that person that you can talk to whether it's a counselor a friend a pastor Mm -hmm somebody that you can go to and you can be vulnerable and safe and express those things and get it off of your chest and don't hold that shame and don't walk with shame because I'm telling you I walked with shame for like 30 something years just being mm-hmm. ashamed of my my past just being ashamed and really probably just getting to the point where I'm no longer ashamed of it so now I'm like I don't care what y'all gonna do about it you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an old woman now. What you going to do? <laughs> so I can't keep carrying that on me. You know what I'm saying? And that shame leads to stress. And as yes. we said, stress is a killer. Stress is a killer. So before we go, um, because I know you probably have to get out of here. Real quick, though, before I go into this last round. Are you holding seminars or workshops for your your mentees? Like, how are they doing that? How are you doing that? So I just opened up my mentorship. Like, I officially opened up the mentorship this past, like, literally this August 2022. And so we're in that stage where the mentorship program is open and we are in the process of developing and doing more workshops, um, getting out in the community and connecting with other nonprofits and mentor organizations as well. Um, One of the things that I also have come to learn on this journey of of what I do is God also wants me to speak. Um, And so with that, this this year was also the year that I was able to connect with other nonprofits and uh, speak to young 
other young girls. So not only am I breaking barriers in the local community, I will break barriers in multiple communities. So um, breaking barriers um, is open. We're open. Um, we have workshops that are planned and in the process of planning, um, not only in South Carolina, but in other areas as well. Definitely Georgia, North Carolina, um, just different areas there. But for the meantime, there are workshops and events that are being scheduled later on. Of well, we're already in October, so near more so near the end of December, um, doing some things for you know the holidays and toys and just different things like that um, yeah. for the children. Well, definitely keep me posted. Um, I would love to be able to feature that in my newsletter or my website. Yes. Um, you know, repost and your flyers or your promos or whatever you're doing for it. Yes. Repost and help any way I can to continue to bring light to what you're doing because I do admire what you're doing. I always tell people that I um, talk to who are mentoring young people, I wish I would have had that when I was younger. Mm. I, I would have had that person invest in me on that level because I needed it and I didn't get that and if I would have had that I feel like maybe some of the hurdles I wouldn't have had to jump <laughs> you know what I'm saying yes. I could have possibly walked around a few of them but I would yes. have had to get that running start and jump you know <laughs> but in 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 that the fact that you jumped anyway and Amen. you kept going says Amen. a lot Amen. so although you had to jump it's okay because yeah. guess what what you what you're doing that 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 saves somebody else from really having to jump amen yes it does yes it does and you know and i'm grateful for that like i said i'm grateful for it all um but i'm just you know thinking of i guess my error being born in the 70s and a, a child in the 80s you know, experiencing those things. There wasn't a lot of those type of things that was just open yeah. um, or known. I'll say that. Even if they existed, they wasn't, it wasn't an awareness. It wasn't in the community like that. It wasn't something where everybody just knew because, you know, of course it wasn't in the internet era. So it's not like you could right. just go and sit in front of your computer and find all this information. So if you right. didn't know about it, if it wasn't presented to your area or your neighborhood or in your church, then you really didn't have a way of knowing about it. So um, I, I do admire what you are doing. So you keep up the great work, okay? Well, um, thank you. And well, I appreciate you for having me. Oh, no problem. Before I let you go, though, we're going to do something new that I'm okay. starting for this season. And I always okay. give a shout out to Mr. Richard Heath because I took it from him. <laughs> I, went on, I was a guest on his podcast and he did a lightning round where he just kind of asked questions. And I said, oh, yeah, that's so cute. I want to do that. So I kind of stole it. But um, I give him credit every time I do it so he don't get mad okay. at me. Um, so what I like to call it is the faithful freestyle. Ooh, and okay. I'm going to ask you some questions and you're just going to give me some answers. And it's just to kind of help us get to know a little bit more about you. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. You ready? So I'm the ready. first question is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh. there's no such thing as can't 
Yes, I like that. Um, let's see here. What movie can you watch over and over again and never get tired? Ooh, <laughs> Save the Last Dance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. Um, let's see here. Oh, I don't know if you're, well, you know what? I'm going to ask you this one. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? A giraffe. And because I love their long necks, it's my favorite animal. Okay. All right. And you could eat from the trees up above you. Like that yeah. is above all the above people. all. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's above yes. all. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Um, give me three words that your friends would use to describe you. <laughs> Persistent, hardworking, introvert. Okay. Okay. I could kind of get the introvert part on the end. You don't seem mm -hmm. like like you out here just living it up and partying in the club and all. You know what I'm saying? So I get, I can feel that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there, <laughs> I said, but there was a time, right? Wait, right. Wait, wait, wait. But yeah. Okay, that was back before the twerk was the twerk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It was just dropping it like it was hot. <laughs> yes. Um, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Childhood celebrity crush. That's kind of tough. <laughs> because for me... <laughs> My era, it was definitely between Lil Bow Wow and Lil Romeo. Oh, yay, Lil Bow Wow, Lil Now, <laughs> I'm going to say, and I'm only going to say this because I'm really, I, I really, really love No Limit. I really, really love Master P. Mm -hmm. I love the whole army. I love the whole New Orleans, Louisiana vibe. And because I met Lil Romeo once. Okay. Okay. And it's funny um, that you said no limit. So my mother is from New Orleans and my formative years were, I was raised in New Orleans. So like kindergarten through fourth grade, I lived in New Orleans and um, I want to say it was like second ward was the area that they called it. And yeah. when no limit came out, you couldn't tell me I didn't know that personally. I don't know these people personally, but you couldn't tell me that. Like I literally went and got the tattoo of the tank on my leg. You got the tank? Yes, girl. I went and got the tattoo of the tank on my leg. You couldn't tell me I wasn't a No Limit Soldier. I had, I had every album. If Master P dropped the album every week and I was in Sam Goody every week buying it. Like I... The whole Master P No Limit collection. I yes. and I think I still own all those CDs somewhere yes. boxed up. But yeah, complete No Limit fan. So I'm with you there, on sister. Uh, Thank you. Nah, nah, nah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I and I I love his mind. I love the way how he thinks. I love his entrepreneurship, and I yeah. really like how he's 
Yeah. Yeah, I follow him yeah. now and I listen to when he gives business tips and advice and he talks about ownership and, you know, um, just marketing yourself as the brand and building yeah. on that. And like, I listen to that even now and it's a lot of encouragement in there. So I agree with you 100% on that. I really, really do. Um, before we go, I usually like to have my guests, if they could, give us leave us with a final thought like a final word what do you want the people to walk away with after meeting you after meeting me i want the people to walk away with knowing that um they aren't alone that there are people out there who really and truly will stand by you support you are praying for you um whether they know you or not, um, someone is really, really um, interceding and really praying on your behalf, um, regardless of where you may be at on your journey. Um, along the way on my journey, there were times when, you know, I didn't know, you know, things were going to work out. I, I was just praying, hoping, even though, even though I was so fierce and I knew God, it was just like, you know, back of my mind, I'm just like, well, is it really going to happen, God? It was even a sense of doubt. But um, after meeting me, I just hope that someone will know that even, even in your sense of doubt and in your walking on your journey, um, no matter what it looks like, that the barriers will be broken. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow, but barriers will be broken. And um, I just want to leave people with knowing that it's going to happen. It will happen. Um, it's happening now. Um, you just got to get there. You just got to shift your mind, um, look at things from a different light and get there and really understand who you are and whose you are. And once you get to that, there's nothing that no one else can tell you or that the lies of the enemy can come and really uh, move you. Right, right. And you know, while you were speaking that, the, the thought that came into my head, and I don't know the scripture off the top of my head, um, but it's the scripture that says, sorrow or weeping lasts it, weeping is only for the night but joy comes in the joy morning. it comes in the morning yeah joy comes in the morning so you know and the other saying is dark is before it's dawn so yeah you know you, when you're in it it's dark you're crying you're sad you don't know what to do you're confused you're lost you're you feel hopeless but if you hold on to your faith and you stay in the pocket i always tell people stay in the pocket stay in the pocket don't fall like keep moving stay in it. yeah and you will you'll start seeing those little breaks of light coming through and, yeah. and that's the sunshine you know the light will come you just have to stay with it stay with it stay with it as hard as it is and i know it's easier said than done but if you just hold on that light will break through that darkness and you will be able to come out on the other side whole a whole person, a stronger person, a wiser person, and a person with the strength to move forward and do what God has, but all of that was preparing you to do. Because yes. all of that darkness is preparation. And as my good sister here stated, if we change our way of thinking, 
we'll be able to embrace the preparation process. Yes. You know, and that's the hard part, right? Embracing the preparation. Like, oh Lord, I got to embrace this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just give it to me, Jesus. But right, you know, it doesn't feel good. Doesn't right. feel good. Why I got to struggle? Why I got to do this? Why I got to do that? Why, why not? Right. And you know, I always tell people life wasn't designed to be easy. Oh, it, you know, and, and the thing about life is it comes for everybody. If you woke up this morning with a breath in your body, you thank God and know that life is coming for you. Yes. So you have to be really, really secure in your faith and your relationship with God. You have to be really secure with who you are as an individual and what you stand on and what you're you're trying to build or accomplish or do and stay focused and steadfast in that. So that way, when things are thrown at you, when life does come for you, you have a source of strength to help you through that. You have a source of, a source of strength to help you break up barriers, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. you see those stumbling blocks as the stepping stones stepping that they stone. are. See, sis, I got it. That's right. You got it. <laughs> well said yes, it's done. I got it yes see look how look what you did for me in this hour you have helped me already in this hour so I can imagine the help that you're giving to these young women and if you are in need of mentorship reach out to breaking barriers I will have all of her information in the description box so if you click on the description box you'll be able to see a brief little bio on who she is as an individual, her company, and then there will be a link to her website where you can go to her website, click on mentor, and you can complete the mentorship form, submit that form, and get yourself a mentor. You know, 12 to 20, if you have a child at home and maybe your child is struggling, maybe she's being bullied at school and she doesn't know how to handle it. Um, maybe she struggles in communicating with not only you, but her peers as well. Um, you know, maybe you're seeing signs where she is, where she is exhibiting low self-esteem. She's not having that belief in herself the way you may think she should. And if she's, and you're, you're doing everything you can as a parent, but it's not working. Well, let's get her to a mentor someone who could connect with her that's not mom and dad because sometimes they don't want to listen to mom and dad because mom and dad all we do is preach right <laughs> clean your room wash the dishes do the laundry like so they don't want to listen to you so let's get them to somebody that they can connect with that they can identify with and that is willing to invest time into the things that they need to help them grow whole Okay, so reach out to my sister here. She is doing amazing things in her community and for all of our babies. And I'm all about doing whatever we can to save the babies. Thank you so much, Portia, for coming on. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. No, and whenever you want to come back, just call me, girl. Come on. <laughs> okay. Well
Okay, Will whenever too. you want to come back, like, hey, girl, I got time on Friday. I'll be like, hey. okay. So we'll make it happen, all right? <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yes, to all of my faithfully hers out there, I just want you guys to know that I love you. I thank you and appreciate you for spending this time with us today. And as always, show up, show out, and shine, shine, shine. May God bless you. Have a great week. Bye.